Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Unfortunately, many kids go through adversity, but what are we doing to help them? How are we educating them in mental health? Clearly, more needs to be done. The system's archaic, and we need people like my next guest to continue the work they're doing. Margot Ward is the founder and CEO of Kids Express Life. Her vision and inspiration for this world-first program was bestowed upon her by the children she worked with as the head of play therapy at the Sydney Children's Hospital. While working predominantly with chronically ill children within oncology and ICU, she saw the opportunity to broaden the scope of creative approaches to therapy with children, and she began to develop a new model for looking at trauma and grief counselling. It's such important work that Margot's doing. We got to chat in depth about it. I got to learn about her story, which is phenomenal. She's been through so many different things. And it's another example, I love these kind of guests. It's another example where everything that she's been through, every experience that that she had led to this greater vision. And it's like I talk about a lot on the podcast, as John Lennon said, life only makes sense backwards but must be lived forwards and Margot embodies this. I hope you enjoy. Thank you again for supporting us. And another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And you can join the Move Your Mind community by going to moveyourmind.me. And finally, we're also selling Underbrax. We've relaunched it. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health. And you can find the link for that at www.underbrax.com. Margot, thank you so much for making the time to come on my podcast and apologies again for uh, cancelling on you last week. I've been sort of travelling on the other side of the world and time zones and blah, blah, blah. Not good for your mental health, but um, I'm glad to, to be here with you right now. Oh, Nick, it's delight. And you know what? This is uh, 2022 and I think we've just all got to be accommodating of life changing at the last minute. And after the last couple of years, we've probably got more appreciation of that than what we ever have. So it's just really wonderful to have the opportunity to chat with you. <laughs> Exactly. I think we're more sort of adaptive, adaptable than ever to, to things changing last minute and things not going to plan and all that sort of thing. So that's one good thing that's and, and technology. I mean, being able to, you know, do this podcast and speak to people all over the world and things that come with that. I think it's, you know, there, there's some positives that have come out of it for sure. Oh, look, I'm such a nana on so many things, Nick. I've never actually used Zoom or podcasts or anything before 2020. So it's been a huge, uh, <laughs> right. it wasn't a learning curve, it was just straight up for me. So, uh, you know, there's every chance that this will go wrong because I'll touch the wrong thing at the wrong time. But it is wonderful, though, I think that connection now that we have, <laughs> or we have the ability to have with people around the world, I think that's been, you know, that, that's a really wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes it just makes the world so much smaller and more accessible. It is such a great yeah. thing, such a good thing mm. that's come out of it all. Um, so, before we get into it, are you are you able to give us um, our listeners a background on yourself and what you do and how you how you came to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Well, it's quite a story in many ways. Um, 
So I'm founder and CEO of an organisation called Kids Express, um, which is a children's mental health organisation. So I um, established Kids Express in 2005 on the back of uh, many years working coalface in working with children impacted by trauma and adversity, predominantly through a health model. So um, we are a children's mental health organisation. What we do is incredibly colourful and playful in that we use the expressive therapies um, dance therapy, music therapy, art therapy, drama therapy to support children. Um, but we do it in an evidence-based, nationally accredited, internationally recognised as best practice of working with children, as well as we have a wraparound model that supports all the caregiving community that supports our kids. So our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, our coaches, um, we have a school programme. So we, we are an organisation, I guess, that has really pioneered um, expressive therapy in Australia. But how I got to that is quite an eclectic, um, I have a very eclectic career. Um, I, to go right back to the origins, as you can probably already hear, I'm a Kiwi girl. So I was born in the depths of Southland in New Zealand. Uh, my father was an all black. My mother was uh, a pioneering uh, physiotherapist at the time. I'm the youngest of nine children. Uh, I've got a massive family. Um, who are all, uh, apart from a, a couple of nephews, all living back in New Zealand. But growing up in, in such a large family, I was actually quite isolated in terms of I was brought up in a remote farm and a lot of my family actually went to boarding school or away from uh, the family home at that time. So whilst being part, immersed in this huge family, I was actually, as a child, was quite isolated. And I also had a chronic illness in terms of asthma as a child. So Spent, in those times, spent a huge amount of time in hospital by myself. Parents were allowed to visit, or family was allowed to visit two hours a day on a Sunday. Um, so I had my, I guess, in, in many ways, was brought up with my own adversity um, and trauma in many ways as well. And so really my career and how I got to Kids Express is I trained as a, as a nurse when I was in New Zealand. I travelled overseas and then uh, trained as a teacher decided that really wasn't quite enough for me. And whilst I was living in London, I found a new career, a new thing called play therapy. And was very fortunate to engage with Great Ormond Street and learn about play therapy while I was there. Um, being a Kiwi girl, as we all do, and I think as a lot of Australians do as well, you know, I was on a massive um, tour in terms of travel and absorbing myself through all the different you know, opportunities that travel gives you. Uh, and that's actually a really important part because one of those travel things was on a Kentucky tour that I went around Europe, which comes back into my career. Um, but when I came to live in Australia, um, worked in various different um, industries, but then landed on uh, an amazing opportunity to be head of play therapy at Sydney Kids Hospital. At that time, it's many, many years ago, Nick, I'm much older now, but um, at the time, play therapy was seen as paints and play-doh and something to entertain children and I already knew at that point it was far more than that far far more than that um, and so really pioneered play therapy in Australia and the momentum of that knowledge really started to grow um, throughout Australia but particularly in the house sitting during that time so for 10 years um, headed up uh, the play therapy um, both at Sydney Kids Hospital and then pioneered it in different aspects in Australia the really important aspect of that in my career is um, whilst I was head of the department, so a leader, I was also clinically involved in um, chronic illness groups. So in particular, um, oncology and specialising in palliative care, ICU, child protection. And the beauty of this is 
we as an organisation today, as Kids Express, children at the heart of everything that we do. And my work at that time as a play therapist when I was at Sydney Kids gave me the opportunity to work with children, particularly children who were dying, um, putting them at the centre and, and helping and supporting them to express what was happening to them or what was going to happen to them, and particularly children um, who were in pain with anxiety and, and knew they were not long for this earth. Um, my work was to support them and when they were physically unable to engage in modalities being whether it be play or music or dance I would use their imagination and children years apart would imagine this place a place they could go where they could sing and dance and throw paint and every child would come out of this imagery saying Margot why isn't this place real why isn't why isn't there a place where we can go outside of our family the school our hospital where we can express what's happening to us and work out what's happening without always having to put words to it and it has people there to help us. And so in those very early days, those, those 10 years at the hospital, this vision of a place called the Silver Sanctuary grew. And it was like a silver castle and it had all these rooms and it was completely child oriented. And every child I worked with added on a different dimension. And the importance of this many, many times was the reminding of children how important this vision was. And one of the things I always remember is being called to a little boy, a little eight-year-old boy's room one day, um, and it was his final day on this earth. And one of his last words were to me to say, Margot, that place that we imagined, that place where we could sing and dance and throw paint, it needs to exist for all children that hurt, and you have to do it. So in my darkest days and the hardest days in running a business, I remember him and go, yeah, it has to exist. And then mm. my career network took a really odd path. So here I am having this amazing experience with these children and, and this vision building um, and having these opportunities and leadership to lead and pioneer and do all these things that I love. And for some odd reason, which I only now understand, um, I decided to leave that role and go and work in a national suicide prevention role. Um, and it was so it was a completely different field in many ways. Foster and how very different. And I remember the CEO of the kids' hospital sitting me down saying, Michael, what are you doing? Like, you pop, why are you leaving? And the only thing I could come up with at the time was, are they going to give me a car? That that was it. That was the only reason at that time <laughs> I could logically think, why am I doing this? And then in that yeah. role working in suicide prevention. My job was to travel to regional remote areas and talk about depression and suicide and bring communities together to have a conversation, to educate, have a conversation and to, to, to support each other. And what was amazing was every adult that I worked with who had been in crisis, was in crisis, had lost a loved one or had a loved one in crisis, it would all go back to childhood. The abuse, the neglect, the domestic violence, the illness, the loss of somebody, and all of a sudden, this started to make sense. All those adults validated the children's vision. And this I'm talking many years, this is 20 years ago, and we didn't have the knowledge that we have today. So at the time, I was like, I can't ignore this. I, I can't ignore this. And so this vision, what I called the Silver Sanctuary for a very long time, for 13 years, was a dream that I had. And it was just a dream. I was a really good therapist, and I loved what I did. And I kept thinking about this place that, that you know, the children had told me that needed to exist. And on New Year's Eve 2005, um, I remember being on a hill somewhere watching the Sydney fireworks and I remember really dramatically letting go of this vision. 
saying to the children, I'm sorry, kids, I don't know how to do this. I'm not a business. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make this happen. But I am a huge believer in serendipity in life in terms of you do the work, you lay the foundations, and then life will conspire if it's meant to happen, it will. And literally three months later, I went to an old friend's 40th, and his name is a guy called Paul Hines. Um, he uh, is an insurance broker, owns an insurance company called uh, General Security Australia. He was on that Kentucky tour going around Europe, uh, and I went to his 40th. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is how important that, that tripping around Europe was. He was on that tour and at his 40th, um, I took him out for dinner not long after that. And he's a man that likes to ask, ask the difficult questions. And he said to me, so Margot, do you think what you're doing now is actually going to save the life of a child? And I had to say no, but I know what will. And so I shared the vision of him, with him of what was called the Silver Sanctuary at the time. And I still have the email that he sent me the next day saying, don't give up your day job just yet, but we're going to make this happen. And so between the two of us, we bought the business world and the welfare world in. And today, you know, 18 years later, we have a um, evidence-based, internationally recognised, growing business that is not only looked as a pioneer and leader, but is leading in terms of children's mental health and particularly expressive therapy and the trauma-informed. So, you know, my, my life starting in those very early origins of that, you know, little girl on the farm that, you know, used to get on a pony and ride for miles and part of a big family and, and, and then having those opportunities to engage with other families and other communities and travel around the world. It's all come together to be today, to be very proudly the CEO and founder of Kids Express, um, leading and um, leading a thriving business that really every single day is having a dramatic difference and the children and families and communities they work with. And then I look to the future and go, there's so much more to do. Um, and there's so much we have to collectively do. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm a believer in serendipity. And I think all the aspects of my life, there's been such a serendipitous connection to what is and just trusting and believing it in that, I think, has, um, yeah, it's been something that's absolutely underpinned how I live and work every day. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And there's so many things in there. I mean, too many things probably to, to touch on in just one interview, but I, I mean, such an amazing story. And what I also love about your um, personal story is, I, I guess, like, it's a thing I've talked about in quite a few interviews where um, we often, it's in hindsight, it's sort of like the saying, you know, life um, only makes sense backwards, but has to be lived forwards. And we can't sort of really know how everything will connect at the time necessarily but if you can sort of trust in yourself and keep moving forward and um just making those steps things do eventually connect but you can't you don't really know how and it's a, a tricky thing to navigate but i think it's such an amazing example of that in in just how everything came together for you yeah and and i think that's you know, I love that saying, Nick. I think it's so important as well because I think we try yeah. and plan so many things and I think you do need to have a plan, but you've also got to be open to that any given moment that plan's going to change for the good or for the better. One of my other favourites is this too shall pass. So this too shall, the highs, the yeah. lows, the medium, the, you know, whatever you want to think about in any aspect of your life, no matter what it is, this too shall pass. And knowing that it will pass, whether it goes from good to bad or otherwise, it's. I think that now more than any other time is something that I think 
every single one of us needs to embrace. Um, because one of the things I get very concerned about, Nick, in terms of our children is we just, mm. we, I hear so many times, and I've heard so many times, we just want our kids to be happy. And I'm like, is that all? Because if we just want our kids to be happy, our kids will do anything they possibly can to make those adults in their world believe that they're happy. But we want our children to be able to healthily express mm. all their emotions, the sadness, the um, excitement, the joy, mm -hmm. the anger. We need our, our children, we as adults, the adults of the future, we need to be able to help them. So if happiness is the only thing we want them to be, that's very one-dimensional. And we are no, we are, human beings are not one-dimensional. And if you ever ask a child, happiness is not the only thing they want to be. They're so much more than that. And, and you know, and also what does happiness actually mean? You know, we're taught yeah. that it's following a formula and doing all these things that we're meant to 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 do and it doesn't it, it doesn't really work that way it's not a simple thing and life's complicated and and like you said you know we need to be able to feel the emotions express them and we're not taught how to do that i, I mean our parents often don't know how to do it teachers often don't know how to do it so how on earth are the kids meant to understand how to how to actually do that yeah yeah exactly and understanding what's also behind you know some of those emotions so you know people will label children people will try and behaviorally manage children children are only ever trying to connect like we their little brains are trying mm -hmm. to work out life they're trying to feel safe particularly if they've experienced adversity or trauma they're going to challenge it but they're going to try and find a way to feel safe and so when children's behavior whether that's you know whether that's been aggressive or whether that's been withdrawn they're trying to connect and they need to feel safe in that connection so that's that I you know even like we were talking about being able to connect online etc but doing that in a really healthy way mm. that's so critically important to our kids. Yeah, it it really is, and without it, it's um you know you, where where do you put all of that? What what you how, you know how do you what do you do? And I guess um how so what are the implications of not having that outlet for? for kids and adults, I guess, from what you've seen, if we don't have anywhere to put these emotions, we can't talk yeah, about it and express yeah. it, you know, what, what, where can that lead to? Well, I think it's a, I'm going to, I'll take a slight, in terms of talking about children's mental health. So, you know, prior yeah, to 2020, yeah. we as an organisation would struggle to get people to put children and mental health in the same sentence. And and even now, we, we, uh, we still need to be careful in terms of how we do that, but it's so critically important. All the evidence, globally indicates to prevention needs to be in childhood. There's a study called Adverse Childhood Experiences, ACEs, which clearly indicates adversity and trauma on children. And, um, and we all need some adversity to build our resilience um, and our ability to cope and our well-being. That's absolutely critical. But when it gets to more than four ACEs, we know that there's significant harm both in the short term and long term, so long term into adolescence, youth, into adulthood, in terms of the impact of that. So we know that what we have believed for such a long time, you know, I often get the comment from people, um, oh, do we need to focus on children? Don't we just wait until they're in adolescence and we see if there's a problem and then we try and fix it then? Now that we know so much about the brain and how the brain develops and we know that for many young people, waiting until there's a problem is just too late. It's all in great. The neuroplasticity, what we know about the brain, yeah. how that works, for many it is then too late. 
we then try and do it in adulthood, it's even harder. It's never too late, but our opportunity yep. to change the dial in terms of our mental health is actually in childhood. So when we talk about um, early intervention, early intervention in terms of there being an issue is incredibly important. When we talk about prevention, in my opinion, we need to be focusing on childhood. We need to be focusing on kids under 12, right to, towards when they're, even before they're born. We need to be focusing on children as a prevention model. If we don't, if we ignore childhood, which we are doing and have been doing for a long time, if we ignore children as they won't remember, which is also a classic, I, I find that comment just so naive because the one thing we've all been is a child. So how can we continue to say, oh, children won't remember? Because if we as adults really sit in that uncomfortable space, regardless of what's happened in our childhood, we will remember. And we can also often paint that pathway. When I, took, when I spoke earlier about working with people in suicide prevention, you know, in having deep and uncomfortable conversations with people who either had been in crisis or were in crisis, when they'd go back to childhood, they would talk about, um, well, this happened and this is how I felt, but nobody acknowledged it. And, and that ability to be able to ex healthily express things as they happen is so critically important to who we'll be as adults. The evidence, the global, there's so much evidence in this space. So it's so important that when we look at childhood, we look at the whole child, not just the physical child, but we look at the emotional, the well-being and the mental health of children. And then we need to look at what a child's well-being, a child's mental health and what children's mental illness looks like as well and what we need to do to put a construct around that too. If we don't do that, Nick, my big concern at the moment is we don't do that. We are not going to change the dial in with our young people and our adults if we don't seriously start focusing and investing in our children in a way that is actually spoken through a child's language. And in my opinion and my experience over the many years and those that work for me, we know the safest way to work with children is through the creative modalities because it is their language and it is all about them and their ability to connect and heal and communicate with the rest of the world. So yeah, everything you're saying, I totally agree with. And I think about that a lot. And what with what I do with Move Your Mind and in the mental health advocacy, the big thing I sort of rant on about all of the time is how no long-term change is going to be made in this area unless we can address kids' mental health and unless they can change, you know, how we get toward at schools, parenting, that whole whole thing. And I think what you were saying before, it really resonates with me when, you know, saying our oh, kids won't remember or we'll wait and see if there's a problem. That's when we're getting programmed and that's when we're getting taught all of these different things that become so much harder to undo. And I guess, would you say it's almost like building a house and not building the foundation properly and you sort of whacking it together and saying, oh, no, it should be okay. Hopefully it'll, you know, if it falls down, we'll fix it then, you know, and expecting there not to be problems in the future. It's like there will be problems. You haven't built the house properly. Yeah. Oh, Nick, that's such a great, that's a, such a great visual, right? For people to understand it is absolutely like building a house and we're not laying the foundations right and deeply for our kids, for the complexity of adulthood. You know, when we become young people, when we become adults, life is complex and it's even complex for, it's more complex for our children now than what it ever has been. But I love that analogy. If we don't, we don't deeply embed and seek to understand 
the impact in terms of our words, our actions, the environment for our children, the impact of adversity, then we are never going to have a, a house that's going to stand up to the storm. We're, we're just not. Mm. Um, and I think it's so, and, you know, even in our work that we have, a, we have a centre-based program here um, at Kids Express where we do individual group and diet therapy um, as well as our school-based program. And so when we've got our therapists and our trauma, our therapists working with the children and then our trauma-informed consultants working with the teaching um, or, or the school community, as well as the parents, these light bulbs, these absolute, I didn't know that. I didn't know how I physically approached a child or how I um, spoke in a particular way to a child or um, how a child's behaviour was actually connection seeking. When you change the framework with the knowledge, you see people operating very differently around children and therefore you see children being able to self-regulate, being able to calm. You know, we have children at the moment that we have one out of four children before COVID had experienced toxic stress or were experiencing toxic stress. I'm very concerned around what that mm -hmm. now might be. We have children who the level of anxiety in our schools to transition from a playground into a classroom is extreme. We're ignoring mm. that thinking, oh, they'll get over it. Well, you know what? They might appear to get over it, but you can guarantee that's going to turn up later. And you can down the layers and layers and layers that are going to exist by the time that child, they might be five now, by the time they're 15, by the time they're 25, by the time they're 55. Oh. How hard is it to change that? So well, I cannot agree with you more. The analogy of let's build the house better. We need to, and the evidence is there. That sort of infuriates me. The evidence is actually there globally around that early the prevention model and early intervention is critically important i'm not saying that you know in working with adolescents etc that's also critically important but like you said if we're going to change it if we're going to change the reality then let's focus on where the change can occur and that is in childhood Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're gonna be lo loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Yeah, yeah. It just need to completely change how we're how the conversation is. And it's it's it is an odd thing that, you know, parents or adults think that way because they were kids we're all kids once ourselves we're it's we're a human you know it's like we're still yeah. the same person the and we think that automatically you know you become an adult and things are all different and better and we get over it. it's like no you're you know most adults are, are suppressed because not it's not their fault uh, you know i'm trying to undo still all these i'm highly aware of it and still struggling with so many conditioning things and suppression and you know things that have been embedded into me because it's so 
deeply embedded, but yeah. how, how else are you going to, is it going to change? It's just, it's, it's crazy. And it's. It... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You know, this, I guess, like, and I love the fact you're talking about the creative outlets and, you know, the different things that you do with with the kids, because I think that's just one of the best ways to connect and, and come out of that. And I, I, I got into acting quite later in life and um, I, I found it was the best um, personal development, mental health thing I could have ever done and couldn't recommend it more. And I remember the very first class I was terrified and the acting teacher said, um, you've got to now unlearn everything you've been taught for the last 25 years if you want to actually be able to do this. And, and I didn't really understand at that point what they were talking about. But then as I went through it, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, you really do if you want to be able to. And then so the benefits that came out of it were dramatic and I just mm. couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, and, it, you know, even on, on that, like just your example of, of being told to be in it, you're going to have to unlearn everything that you've learned. And I don't think there's ever been an intent of, you know, we didn't, people that cared for us didn't want us to be the best that we could we didn't have the knowledge then but we have the knowledge now so using the creative modalities is such an incredibly powerful um, liberating safe way to work with kids and when you actually sit in that that space with them you learn so much about yourself yeah. if you're truly engaged with a child whether that be in a therapy session and that's obviously all folks on the child or just in general you learn so much more about yourself um, and I think that's one of the injustices we've done as a society. We also don't place the importance on the arts and what that does for our mental health and well-being is so incredibly important. Um, mm -hmm. It does help us connect. It does help. It does all those wonderful and beautiful things. But it's also you, you yep. also said a really interesting point around being human. Um, and we forget we're human. Sometimes we, we're so automated in what we do and we think we just follow a process and we're not curious enough about it. We need to be more curious about ourselves and where the origins of some of our behaviours um, and some of our beliefs come from. I, th I personally think we need to constantly challenge ourselves on that and be curious about that because when you engage with a child, they are constantly curious about their relationship with you, their relationship with themselves, their relationship with their environment. And it's a little bit more simplistic. We as adults make that more confusing, I think, than what it needs to be. You know, for me personally, um, and this can be a little bit controversial, I don't necessarily refer to myself as a feminist as such. And whilst I believe in equal and all that sort of stuff, but being a humanist and believing in the rights of being human, regardless of what gender you are, I think that's just so incredibly important. And that's something else that when you look at children, they don't see themselves. Yes, we're all different, and you know, males and females, might process or or live life or engage in life in different ways, but we are human. And if we truly valued human and being humankind, then I think we can also help to change that dial. You know, I, I see young people now and even adult, like adults, 50, 60-year-olds still seeking purpose. 
I believe mm-hmm. we all have the same purpose, Nick. Our purpose, to, we are humankind and our purpose in life is to be both human and kind to mm-hmm. the very best of our ability. We also message that to children. Then we, we, we don't create the divide from a very young age. I love, I think that's such a great message because, you know, it's great with all of the progression, you know, that has happened, but I think, you know, it has gone too far where it's, mm. you know, it's such a confusing world now. It's like, am I allowed, what what can I say? What can't I say? What can I do? What what am I, you know, it almost makes you scared to to do anything where at the end yeah. of the day, um, like you were saying, I couldn't agree more. We're all human. I think um, the point is to just try and help each other and, try and support each other and do what we can to better ourselves. But um, if we, we operated from a humankind perspective, then every decision yeah. we'd make would be do no harm because we're being human and kind. And mm-hmm. I think from a child, obviously my focus is on childhood and, and in particular with Kids Express, it's because of adversity and trauma. But if we really did focus on, on that, being humankind and doing no harm, I just wonder what, you know, what difference we could make in the world Um, because we can't continue the way we're going. I fear now what we are seeing on the ground in terms of being 2022, the impact of COVID, we're only really now starting to see the impact of all that, um, you know, isolation and everything that we were asked to do in the last two years. Children are only just feeling safe now to really start talking about what that was like for them and it's only really just so we're now starting to see I think a next pandemic in terms of mental health and it's starting really young Um, Mm. we're not waiting it's not it's yes it's there for adolescents but we see it in children and I was saying before the anxiety that children have um, let alone the trauma and adversity they may have experienced as well we need to be focusing on them Um, because otherwise you know I fear for the next five years ten years what's actually going to be happening in our society. Yeah, and how, how big of a part do you think technology, social media and things like that um, play as well? Yeah, I, when I said before that I think children, you know, life is more complex and it's more complex for children because our children are engaging much young, like very young in terms of social media. I think it has its place. Um, yep. However, its place is not to replace relationship and connection um, in a physical sense and an emotional sense. And unfortunately, that's what I'm seeing is that, or what we are seeing, it is replacing connection that is actually fundamental to our emotional and mental growth. Um, And it shouldn't be replacing that. We need to, it has its, like, I'm not saying, oh, we shouldn't be doing it at all. It absolutely has its place. Technology is going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to be part of our life. But when it replaces relationship, when it becomes something that we do instead of actually physically, emotionally, mentally engaging with another human being, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's what we are seeing. Because also our little, our brains cannot Mm -hmm. cope with our tabs being constantly open and neither can our kids. (laughs) Our, Our kids, they just do not have that capacity. So when we see children who are incredibly distracted, um, and really struggle to engage and struggle to self-regulate, then putting them in front of the screen constantly, that's not thats not helping. Um, we need them to be actively engaging through, because also 
when you use your emotions, you also need to use your body. If you're going to process emotions, you need to be able to use your body. If you're just sitting with the screen, that's also not helpful. But like I said, it has its place. It just shouldn't be replacing relationship and connection and communication um, at that more intimate level with the people that are important in your world. So for a child, it's mm. your family, it's your friends, it's your teachers, it's your coaches, it's those people. We, sh- we can't replace a screen. We can't replace a human with a screen. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be that balance, which I think seems to be a long way off from finding, but, um, yeah, need to find that. Yeah. yeah. And I think I mentioned to you before, Nick, though, I also don't believe in balance. <laughs> I think yes, right yeah, very yeah. early age we're trying to get our kids to balance, you know, life's got to look like this, and I think that's also an injustice we do to our to ourselves and to our young people and children because balance has its own stress. If you're constantly trying to create this balance and you constantly feel like it's tipping or it's out of control I don't think it's helpful I personally use a pendulum swing so for me it's it's where life is going to force you to go to focus on you need to allow that fluidity for it to do that whether that be sometimes it's health sometimes it's family sometimes it's education sometimes it's career no matter what it is and knowing that it will flow I think is incredibly important and and being willing to let the flow like we say you know life you know what's that saying? If you want to, um, if you want to make God laugh, I think it goes. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. And whilst I'm not a religious person, I kind of think, well, yeah, as soon as you have a plan, you know that it's not gonna, it's not necessarily gonna work the way you want it. But I think having fluidity, knowing that we're not gonna be able to create balance, we're gonna have to go with the swing. It does take a bit of pressure off. It takes the pressure off to be this, because also when we're trying to be balanced and and be that. I often wonder, are we being authentic? Because we're just appearing to have it all together. And adults don't have it all together. And our children are trying to work out what that is. And we as role models saying, oh, yes, I have this perfect balance. Mm, Is that authentic? I I don't think so. Well, it's not possible. It's it's literally, (laughs) if you're human, I don't, well, I as far as I'm aware, it's not possible. And and you wouldn't want it to be possible because then where would, you know, life wouldn't be interesting. But it, yeah, I think it's, there's so much pressure on us to have all of these boxes ticked. And, you know, I it's so hard. And even when you are doing something you care about, you're aware of it. I find it so hard with parents, for example, you know, my latest one will be, I'm thinking, well, okay, they're getting older and, you know, I'm a long way off having kids when am I going to give them grandkids when am I going to do this when am I going to do that not because I ever want it but you know it's got to tick the box to make everyone happy and appease everything and it's like hang on I don't know I can't control any of this stuff or when I'll do it but I just know what I need to do right now but you feel all these pressures and it makes you miserable or burnt out or you'll have a breakdown if you just keep trying to keep that complete balance all the time like you're saying you can't and we can't control, you know, we also can't control how things are going to go. And if you can really find a way to embrace the chaos and just realize that, okay, I can't control anything. I'm just going to put my best foot forward every day. There's comfort in admitting that and really, you know, actually believing that and living by that, because then you've got permission then just to let it happen, not, not have to, you know, force everything. And I think also that we should be, again, for our children, we should be role modelling to them that the the picket fence with the, you know, perfect marriage and the kids, et cetera, you know, that might not happen. And I think, again, that layering of 
the expectation we place on our kids places stress on our children, places stress on our young people to have it all, to have the career, to have the, you know, whatever big fancy house and the whatever think people think is important. At the end of the day, what's important is your health. Um, and that's all aspects of your health, including your mental health um, and your relationships. Like, really, where where is the wealth in society? Does it not sit there? Does it not sit yeah. in your health, your your whole health, and the relationships and and how you show up in relationships? Like, I mm. I don't think we've got we've got this wrong. And I and I think the stress that that creates now, but also will create in the future on our kids, is just. It's too difficult. So we need people like you that are advocating for a different way of being and taking that that stress off. You know, I don't, if I'm, again, to be honest, I don't have my own children. People will often assume that I do because of what I do. Um, and that wasn't, you know, for me, that was, I always wanted to have children. That was something that, you know, if I'd had a plan when I was younger, that was definitely part of the plan, but not part of the plan it it might be in the future when I choose to foster or depending what I choose in my future but it doesn't have to look like the way we you know our society says this makes you a success when you've got a successful marriage and a successful etc I, I love the fact that we are complex beings and if we embrace the complexity and as you said the chaos and accept that it's going to and accept that we have choice and and how we engage with that chaos because I think there's engaging with the chaos and then it's engaging with the drama. That can also be a bit difficult. Yeah, two yeah, it, different it, things. Yeah, yeah, very different <laughs> things. But I think that makes us a really wealthy human being. I don't think we're meant to be linear. I don't think we're we're meant to have, like I said before, this too shall pass no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And if we truly embrace that and show our children how to healthily embrace all those emotions, that kind of excites me as well. And whilst I've been talking about the damage that can occur there's also a lot of positivity so if if we do lean into this and we when we do see children embrace it it's so exciting um to see our kids i don't know embrace it and live and love life in a very different way it's a 10-year anniversary of underbrax and we've relaunched with the classic white pair we've also got new styles coming out super soon we're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health currently to one in five you can find all of this at www.underbrax.com. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and why? You know, who who made these rules about how life's meant to be lived? Like, I don't know who actually wrote these things or who came up with it. So it doesn't doesn't make sense. And it, life can evolve in so many different ways. And I think it's um so many good points that that you're making on that. So I I guess for for you on on a personal level, what are some things that you do? on a regular basis just to, to look after your own, you know, mental health and well-being? Oh, I, um, I think what's really important is I do have my own therapist. I think having somebody from a professional sense to talk to is incredibly important. I mean, particularly in terms of what I see and witness every day is, is often not, uh, is very confronting. So that's really important. Um, I walk as my, I live by, I'm very fortunate to live by a beach. I love walking every morning. It's something that I do, um, that I hold sacred. It's not for my physical health, it's more for my mental health more than anything else. Um, I'm really clear on uh, who I have in my life and who I um, trust and engage with. So um, I'm really fortunate, Nick, to have some pretty amazing people that uplift me or uphold me. And that's not being 
um, you know, they're my biggest cheer squad, but they're also very uh, versed in telling me when I'm not doing something well or need to do something better or um, can hold a space for me when life isn't going that great for me, when I am struggling with different things. So I'm very, very fortunate in having um, people in my life that I really trust. Um, I think that the challenging thing for me is not being able to go home to my family. So I feel at the moment, I feel, probably feel a little bit disjointed. I haven't been back to home. And even though I've lived in Australia now for many years, I still call New Zealand home. Um, I take, I um, regularly take time out where I do switch off everything and uh, nothing can kind of get through. Um, also, I'm very technically challenged. So it kind of makes it easy <laughs> for me to do that. But I think, yeah. you know, I, I try and eat well. Like I'm very, I'm quite ordered in many ways in terms of I put structures around um, how I, when I eat, sleep, all that sort of stuff to make sure I can be the best I can. And I, and I also share that that came on the back of um, seven, eight years ago. I was very unwell. I um, had an autoimmune that that um, really took over my life and almost ended it. So at that oh, wow. point. Um, really realising the impact of stress and that really unconscious stress and what that was doing to me. So I made some very conscious decisions then. But mm -hmm. I think for me, the, the having those rituals is just so important. The walks, the food, the the, um, the sitting in sun, all that sort of stuff is very important. I'm not, a, I'd love to say I meditate. I would love to say I do that, but I don't because I, I do it when I walk. I just, it's just, too, it's just, it's not something I've mastered yet. Maybe I will at some point in my life. But I think the critical thing for me is my relationships. Um, investing time and energy and feeling safe in those um, has been something that I constantly do work on and they do constantly change, but um, is something that I'm I'm very aware and, and that I do invest on. You know, that energy piece of who brings energy in and who takes in all that sort of stuff is something I, I work on constantly. Um, yeah, and also I think fun. I, you know, whilst we do very, very serious work here and what we hold at the core can be very traumatic, we do have a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of laughter, there's a lot of colour, there's a lot of um, just joy often as well. So I think bringing joy into your life, being a bit, you know, bringing the origin of we were all children once, so we can we can be playful and childlike and, you know, I, I think that's so important. I'm a really bad dancer, but I love to do it. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. it's something that I do enjoy doing and I think it's those things it's those really basic things of where the joy comes from kind of keeps me sustained yeah yeah no so many great things in there and and yeah I think like you said not taking it too seriously but also it is I think the the world is so non-stop and you know you're obviously incredibly busy with what you're doing it's so important to have those rituals and habits and you know daily things that we just block out to do for ourselves because otherwise we will get burnt out and you know that is a, a pretty common thing that happens yeah. you no one else is going to do it for you and it's very hard to turn off these days so I think yeah all the points you're making are, are so important so important yeah. to and you know stay on top of we will you know, we do have, we, we don't have this limitless supply of energy unless we we orchestrate life to have a constant. But I think knowing, again, that this too shall pass, there will be times yeah. we turn out because the pendulum swing will mean we've had to focus on something that's been really difficult and time-consuming and taken away from other aspects. But that's okay as long mm -hmm. as we have the construct to support ourselves in that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because we just, we don't, we can't control when, you know, when, where it will swing. So yeah. it's so true. Yeah. So there's so many, so much more I could talk about. And we finish with five sort of key questions at the end. These can be, um, sure. you know, short, short answers that come to mind. But um, before I go into that, where can we, I'll put it in the show notes as well, but where can we, um, where can we send our audience if they want to learn more about about you and and kids express or anything else what yeah, yeah I, I think that goes to our website kids express.org.au yep. um and I, i'm on linkedin you know i'd love an audience on linkedin in terms of being able to connect that we've got our social media for kids express as well um but you know what reach out and have a conversation i love obviously <laughs> i'm a bit of a chatter <laughs> so um yeah if people want to go to our website reach out you know, we will come. We 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 all love a conversation here. We love connecting with people. So no matter what it is about, we'll connect with them. Great. Well, we'll, we'll have all of the links um in the show notes. So anyone listening, um, go to the notes and and send them a message. Reach out. Check out the website. Um. So first question. Um. What's your best childhood memory? Ooh. Best childhood memory. Um. Best childhood memory. I actually mentioned it before. Um, I was brought up on a farm. So um, being, you know, one of the freedoms of being brought up on a farm is um, I had a pony from a really young age and I'd be able to get on my pony and literally ride for <laughs> hours and hours and nobody knew where I was except <laughs> I was somewhere in the hills. And I think one of my favourite memories was actually being on my pony Minka. And this this was a regular occurrence and particularly in lambing, going riding at sunset and the lambs jumping everywhere. Um, oh, amazing. So, yeah, probably that's one of my favourite childhood memories. Um, I, and, again, that kind of represents the solo bit in terms of my life. And then um yeah that's probably one of my favorites I think that's great and a pretty unique memory as well having that opportunity to have all of that space and um opportunity to do that that's so good yeah uh, and, and something that you probably you know hasn't got a screen <laughs> I don't exactly yeah definitely were no screens at that point it's yeah. sort of yeah a different way to grow up um <laughs> What do you think's the biggest burden on mental health at the moment? Oh, wow, that's a big question. What do I think is the oh well? I actually, what I think is the biggest burden is the fact that we don't have enough help. Um, yep. You know, one out of three psychologists, if you're going down a psychology path, that close their books purely for the demand. Um, I think the fact that we do not have, we did not see this come. We knew this; we were going to be here anyway, with or without mm. COVID. So the fact that we didn't make decisions to bring more people into the helping professions um, in whatever construct that looked like to educate and empower people to be here for each other in a professional sense, I think that's a problem. Um, we know that teachers are leaving the profession and we need our children to have um, teachers that are supported um, to, to be educators and what we need alongside those teachers are the mental health professionals and I would include Kids Express in there. So that I think is the biggest burden at the moment both now and, and I would say in the medium term we haven't solved that. So I think that's the biggest burden. Mm. Um, from a perspective there's just not enough people to help with the knowledge that will actually make a difference. Yeah, and no, I totally agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. It's, um, it's a big big thing that needs to change. Uh, 
what is your personal definition of happiness? Ooh, these are good questions. <laughs> My personal definition of happiness. Um, my personal definition of happiness is reflected in the people that I love. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So knowing the definition of how safe I feel in certain relationships, mm -hmm. um, how, how I interact with them, that to me defines my happiness without, within all its complexity. So that might mean I can be sad, I can be happy, I can be outrageous, I can be whatever I need to be um, within that. But that to me is happiness. Happiness is reflected in the people that I love and my relationships with them. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful answer. That's such a nice one. Um, what are you most afraid of? Apart from spiders, because I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand them either. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. No. Um, I'm most afraid of the fact that this conversation that this conversation doesn't get heard and that we don't do something about it. I, I'm most afraid that we continue to ignore what our children are screaming at us. Um, and I feel chills when I say that because I think it, there is a very, very real risk that we won't do it. Um, mm. And when I say we, I say each and every one of us, no matter who you are in society, we need to do something about this. So that is my greatest fear, that you and I could be having a conversation in the next 10, 15, 20 years and nothing changed. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a big one. Yeah. Well, yep, let's let's pump this conversation out there and hope that it, it starts that change <laughs> and keep yeah, doing what you're yeah. doing <laughs> yeah and I think I think the good news is though there is a lot of people now talking about children's mental yeah. health the fact that you are Nick the fact that you're doing what you're doing that you're role modeling people are listening we just need some decision makers to actually be listening and acting as well um yeah. but yeah it's just so important so important. it is so final question what are you most proud of Oh goodness me! <laughs> so I put you on this, put you on the spot here. <laughs> um, what am I most proud of? I am most proud of. You know, I'm I'm looking at my office and I'm looking at the people that I have the absolute joy with to work alongside every day. And I can also, in my mind's vision, have all the people that support Kids Express to do what we do and how we do it. And that includes the board and the co-founder and other people that do what they do. And I'm most proud of that. I'm most proud of, I'm in awe of the people I get to work alongside every single day, what they hold and how they hold it and what they witness for our children. I'm proud of the fact that I get to be part of that and I'm proud of the fact that we create a safe place where children can heal. That's what I'm proud of. Oh, that's a pretty amazing answer. And yeah, great way to, great way to, great thing to finish on. So no, thank you so much for making the time to do it, Margot. It's been so, so great. I think we'll have to do a follow-up and apologies for um, not only the stuff up last week, but all the technical problems, but we got through it and anyone listening you're not going to see any of these technical problems but we had to sort of change devices and have things shut down and blah 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 so we got we got there but you know i really appreciate you making the time 
Oh, Nick, such a joy, such a wonderful opportunity. But you know, and all those, all those little hitches—that's just life. That's life, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, Nick. Take care. Thanks so much. Thanks to Margot Ward for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. You can join the Move Your Mind community at moveyourmind.me. And you can help support mental health by purchasing Underbrax at www.underbrax.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.